Father, thank you so much for all that you are doing in our lives and the difference you've made. And Father, if you haven't made that difference, we know it's not because you don't want to, but we've not been willing to let you. So Father, I pray that this weekend that all of the uh, junior hires that are here and the teenagers and Father and the college students will know that there's a grand and glorious future for them if they will follow you. And Father, in following you, you always put a human being between you and them to lead. And Father, that person that leads represents you in both giving direction, but Father, in giving affection. They love, and because they love, they share truth, and they live. But Father, sometimes as followers, we're not appreciative. In this class, as we look at respecting our leaders, Father, I pray that it will be something that makes a difference in this group, Father, because uh, it really does matter. And so help us to listen, help us to learn, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. The class topic today is to respect your leaders. Now, with that, I, I, the, the most important thing that I, I hope that you'll understand as we go through this, that when God calls you to respect your leaders, he doesn't call you to respect your leaders for their benefit alone. Then ultimately, when he calls you to respect your leaders, he does it, number one, because he loves you and he wants you to have the very best and most influential life possible. So when you don't respect your leaders, God knows that you are going to miss the boat. Growing up, I was a rebellious kid. I was always in trouble. Now, there were a lot of factors that played into my rebellion. There was factors of things that happened to me that made me angry. There were things that I didn't believe about God, that I didn't trust him. But I always disobeyed. And by the, whenever I was your age, I had already begun to calculate how many years, and for those of you who are in seventh and eighth grade, that's when this process began for me. In seventh and eighth grade, I began the process of counting the days that I would be within my parents' house because as soon, I was, as soon as I was out of my parents' house, it meant I could leave the whole church God thing behind and could do whatever I wanted to do. So as I was in seventh and eighth grade, I went to a school, a little bitty school system uh, in the town that I lived in, and my mother was a teacher in the school system that, that I was in. And it was literally one building, and so every day I would walk to school and my mom, I would see her walking a little bit earlier. It was across the street from us. And then in the evening, I would come home first, and a little bit later, she would be there. So anything that went on in that school, she knew about. So I had to submit, even though I didn't like it. My father was also a member of the school board. And so you had all kinds of things that, you know, that may go, oh, man, you're going to be in trouble. Whenever I, was, whenever I graduated from eighth grade, I went from a little bitty school with about 15 people in my eighth grade class trip a class uh, uh, in, in my grade, and I went to a school that had around 350 kids in my freshman class. And it was 15 miles from home, and that's where I began to, to be more independent. Because my mom wasn't in that school system, I could be away, and they would never know what was going on from day to day. And that's where I began to be able to express, even though I was counting the days to get away from my mom and my dad and the whole church God thing, and I knew that I wouldn't be completely free until I was 18 and left the house. Because of the space, I began to be able to function at least 8 to 10 hours a day in the way that I would function, that I dreamed of functioning whenever I would leave home. 
And I, believe, I really believed it was going to be the greatest thing that happened in my life. But within about two years, what I found out, the more that I had control of my life, the more my life got out of control. And not only did I see that in my own life, which for me, you know, maybe if it had just been me, I would not have really cared. But again, began to see it in my friends, the new friends that I had. Some of them that I'd known, I started playing basketball with Mark Best in third grade on the, on the YMCA team and played for him, I think, actually third, fourth, and fifth and didn't see him again until high school. And he was that same kind of guy that now he has freedom. He doesn't have to worry. He's away from his parents. He can go to parties. He can drink. He can do all of that. And so by the end of my sophomore year, I saw Mark less frequently at school. And the reason I saw him less frequently at school is because on a Friday night at a party in behind my house, he got drunk and driving home, missed a curve and hit a tree and died. And I can remember thinking about, man, Mark's life, he lost it when he's young. Another friend of mine, Brad, who uh, was, we played on basketball from fifth grade through eighth grade, played on the team at our little school from what we would consider, they called it peewee, to sixth grade, to we played varsity together in seventh and eighth grade, played on the county all-star team together during eighth grade. And Brad got to high school and really embraced his freedom much quicker than me. His parents weren't particularly religious they had allowed him to drink when he was you know like 14 and 15 years old he could have a beer every now and then at home with his parents but Mark jumped into the lifestyle that I kind of wanted to jump into but I was afraid of and and uh, Brad and I watched that happen and I watched as Brad as a sophomore was partying not in the nighttime but in the daytime skipping school and partying and he jumps off of a platform And he becomes a quadriplegic or partial quadriplegic, some use of his arms after a while. And I was looking at all the freedom and I was getting in more and more trouble and going, man, all this freedom stuff that I thought was going to be so good isn't so good. And it ended with me being facing, being sent away to reform school and destroying every relationship I had with my father, who was the closest relationship I had. You see, whenever I stopped, whenever I had the freedom to really disrespect my, the leaders in my life, my life began to fall apart. And some of you, you're going to be like me. And what I mean by that is I had been taught to respect my leaders, but I could always find a reason not to respect them. The bottom line, there were some things, there was some hypocrisy, there was some weakness in their life. The bottom line why I didn't respect them is because I wanted to do what I wanted to do. But I didn't want to seem rebellious, like I don't care about God, I don't care about anything. I'm with, so, I, so I needed someone to blame, and so it would be my mom and my dad and the church people. And so I could blame them, but here's the thing. You, like me, are going to have a cup. There's going to come a time when well, you, you will get to be completely responsible for you. You won't be able to point back at mommy or daddy. You won't be able to point at your youth leaders and go, they're the reason I'm not what I should be. You will be the one that's responsible. For some of you, when you get to that point, you will never return to following the leaders that God places in your life because you will be returned to the ground, the dirt that you came from. You will not live. You'll be like Mark. You'll be like some of the friends that I had, like Norman, who OD'd, who were completely unwilling to follow anybody that restricted them and that didn't ruin their life. It ended their life. For some of you, you're going to come back around, but it's going to come back around. You're going to start looking for people to be involved in your life only after 
your life is destroyed. For some of you, it will be because of drug addiction. There's a guy that's here at this retreat this weekend. I think I mentioned this in, in the class the other day. But we've been apart, haven't seen this kid in 15 probably years. He was a difficult kid that was always rebellious, always fighting, always thinking he knew better than anybody else. And he was going to do his own thing. And when he got old enough, he did it. And he went out and moved and met a a Native American girl, moved to the reservation with her, and proceeded to destroy that relationship as he became a drug addict. And whenever he called us a few weeks ago, actually when we bought his ticket for the bus to come here this weekend, we bought it for him. And he had to go pick it up from a homeless shelter. But he was absolutely certain that anybody in his life that restricted him, that wanted to lead him rather than respecting him, he rebelled against them. And for some of you, that's where your life's going to end, in the rebellion. You'll come back and you'll go, man, I want to be taught. For some of you, it will be a divorce. For some of you, it will be that you'll get to see your kids that you love a lot every other weekend. And there's nothing you'll be able to do about it. Even though God will forgive you for all of that, you didn't learn, you didn't respect your leaders. And when you didn't respect your leaders, you ruined a large percentage of your life. So I want you to know that when God calls you to respect your leaders, it's not that God simply wants to control you because he wants to prove who he is. He is who he is. And if he wanted to at a moment when you disobeyed him, he could absolutely remove you from this planet and he could wipe your memory away from anybody that's here. You're much too small to box with God and win. But he calls you to respect them so that he can reward you with a life that's better. And whenever I was 17 years old and I graduated from high school finally and I could be independent and I graduated when I was 17. And as soon as I graduated, I moved away from my home. I moved away from all of my friends. You know where I moved to? To where there was a church that had stronger leaders and more people that I could put in my life who would hold me accountable and who would call me higher. The very thing I thought I would run from, I ran to one that was more accountable. And every good thing that I have in my life now, every good thing, listen to me, there is not a thing that I have that God didn't provide. But he didn't provide it miraculously. Like, you know, man, you ought to have a real awesome granddaughter and and, and grandchildren. Poof, and all of a sudden I turn around and go, who are you? And she goes, oh, I'm Kennedy. And I'm Malachi and I'm Jackson. Wow, God, you're good. I didn't have this wonderful daughter and son, Carrie and Ashley, just poof out of anywhere, out of nowhere. I didn't get a great wife and a great marriage. And I didn't get all the great friends that I have because God zapped it. I got it all because God gave me a leader who would instruct me and help me and that I could tuck myself in behind. And so as we talk about this class respecting, you may be going, well, why should I respect them? And you may be like me, and you may try to find a reason why you can disrespect them. I mean, you, you, you can just, you know, you can find a reason to be bothered. I mean, you can be the drug addict who every relationship has fallen apart. You can be the drug addict who is living in a homeless shelter, and you can still find a reason why it's somebody else's problem. I know that because the kid that we bought the bus ticket for, Carrie had to sit down and have a talk with him. Marlon had to sit down and have a talk with him because he was blaming everybody else for his life and it's screwed up and it's you guys and it's this. And they had to say, no, the reason your life is screwed up 
is because you chose not to respect the people that God put in your life to lead you. And when you don't respect them, you don't listen. And when you don't listen, you can't be guided by them. You're on your own, buddy. And on your own, take it from somebody who knows, it's not a good place to be. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to pull your notebooks out if you have them with you. If you don't, uh, if there's a friend next to you that has a notebook that could loan you a piece of paper, okay? Anybody got a, who doesn't have a notebook? Because you're going to need to write some stuff down here, all right? Who needs, anybody got paper? Who needs paper? You're going to need paper for this class because afterwards, I'm not going to let you out of this door and you don't get to eat lunch if you don't have a piece of paper with this stuff filled in, okay? No free time for you if you don't do this. Okay, so here's the passage. Write this down. We're going to look at two verses in Hebrews chapter 13. Two sections of verses. One of them is the thing that is used to draw the people in to respecting their leaders. The other passage comes after it when it just challenges them on what it looks like to respect. So we're going to look at the reason you ought to respect, and then we're going to look at what respecting your leaders looks like. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7 says this. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Now here's what he says. Listen, you need to sit and think about your leaders for a second. But here's what I want you to do right now, okay? Right now, I want you to write on a piece of paper, when you think of your spiritual leaders, the three or four people in your life or five or six people that are, in your, for, that are your spiritual leaders as far as your youth ministry and your development with God, write down the names. Girls, write down the names of the, of the female spiritual leaders or the males, the top, let's say, top four in your life. Guys, write down the names of the top three or four leaders that you see in your life, okay? Write, just write down their names for a second. Whoever that might be. I'm hoping you see your small group leader is that. that that's what it ought, I think, to be if the leaders in your group is functioning properly. But it may be broader than that. It may be somebody that's over the youth ministry or it may be somebody that was in the youth ministry or, or was in the group you, that led you last time, that they're still part of your, you view them as your leader. Okay, you got those names down there? Everybody write the four names down. And you can use your phone, that's right, that's even better because you have a permanent record there. If you got a phone, you don't have to have a notepad. You get to eat today, okay, and free time. How you doing? Good. How many of you guys, raise your hand if you got the names down. If you can't come up with four, come up with two. Okay, now here's what I want you to do. I want you to write down beside that person who's your spiritual leader, everything you have done for them in the last month that you can think of. Everything you have done for them in the last month. Everything you've done to love them, everything you've done to serve them, everything you've, they, you've done to make sure they're okay. Okay, now that we're finished with that. <laughs> right? Am I not right? 
Now that we're now that we're finished with that, and, and I'm not trying to be rude, and, and I hope there are, and for some of you may have a lot of things. I want to have Ashley come up in front. Is there a, which which guy? And I want to have Evan come up, okay? That would be you. No, the 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 other Evan. Yeah, really. Excuses, excuses, man. I'm coughing all weekend. Okay. Now then, they have no idea. Now then, I want <coughs> you guys to pick out the three or four people that may be right now that you would say right now. And I, I understand with Ashley. <coughs> excuse me, I can't even talk or do anything. Let's end the class. I'm coughing. Oh No, we can't do that. Yeah. I'm, but we are continuing, aren't we? Yeah. Okay, I want you, with Ashley, you guys, you know, she is one of the, the youth ministers of the church. She's one of our, our staff youth ministers. And in a real sense, she would see herself probably as leading all of you guys. But what I want her to do is to pick the, just three or four people out of her current group or three or four girls probably out of the current group. You have a cell right now? Okay, that you are leading, okay? And I want you to just you formulate them in your head, and I want you to think the same thing within your, the three or four guys that you're leading. And I guess, should I do guys and girls, or should, or should I make it gender-specific with you? I don't know what you're doing, so. That's not a problem. Okay, pick, pick the, three, okay, the four people. You pick four people. If, you do not, if they do not pick you, understand it, it's not because you're, you're not in their cell. It's because they don't like you. <laughs> just kidding. Okay, that's not why at all. <laughs> You know, don't we get like that? They didn't pick me. They don't love me. Okay, you got you got four names. No, no, he. Yeah, he was coughing, so he. Okay, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to have them stand when you call their names. Okay, so Ashley, go ahead. Mackenzie, stand up, Mackenzie. Nathan. By the way, he gave me a cough drop because he cares about me. Marcy did. Marcy doesn't care about you, though. Okay. Was that four? One, two. You guys need to move over where we can see you, okay? I think you were, I couldn't see you, Nathan. You were standing behind a pipe cleaner. <laughs> Sorry, just, just a little joke there, okay? <laughs> All right. Now then, I want you to tell me in the last week what you have done for them. Go through the, the last month if you want to go there. Just go through. Let's talk about in the last month. I mean, I guess since we took on a cell. Does that add up? I mean, so we. Our, our, okay, RJ and I oversee the entire youth ministry, also the plants. So that's like 24 leaders under us. So coming into the cell itself within the last month has meant more, you know, I think just added responsibility and time okay. in general. And then. The youth ministry. Yeah. The leaders. Yeah. But yet, because you care for these people, you chose to step into their life. Okay. Yeah. Sure. 
Um, and then, no, and then uh, I went to a basketball game and then wrestling matches, um, lunches. Wrestling matches, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> lunches. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, lunches, uh, shopping together. Um, we went, had them over for like a movie night. Um, I, oh, this week I spent a lot of hours budgeting and planning this whole thing and getting everything together for that. I feel really weird saying all this. Yeah, all the time. Um, yeah, and dream. I think that's another big thing. I think I, I, you guys probably don't realize how much you know. I actually do think about that and dream for like where you're gonna go to school and what you're gonna do and just how you're doing in life. I mean, I do feel like you're pretty constant in my thoughts. Okay, you guys can sit down. To the bench. Guys or girls that you work with directly within within yourself. Morgan. There we go. I was going to say it was a lot of like a lot. Of, this mic was like a lot of you guys that flunked the test. Anyway, uh, now I want you to share what you've done for these guys in the last month. When you just look through, what have you done for them? Um, I think in most cases I've given rides, whether it's in a snowstorm or not. Okay. Uh, like, I mean... I think a lot of them are similar, like, you know, paid for food, supplied stuff when they've come over to the house or anything like that, you know, um, gone to their events, like, I fixed her tail light. Sorry, I'm not keeping track of the things I do for them normally. <laughs> That's probably good. Um, yeah, I mean, I know I've gone to one of Alyssa's basketball games recently i don't remember exactly when it was but um yeah i mean just different stuff like that all right so have both of you guys let me ask you a question have you spoke the word of god to them in the last month for their benefit yes yes, yes. <laughs> have you examined yourselves and made sure that you were living the way that you should so that they could have someone not just to hear but to see and to follow Yes. Okay. All right. You guys can sit down now, okay? You can sit down too. Now, here is my point as we go through Hebrews chapter 13. 
In Hebrews chapter 13, in verse 7, the Bible says this. Remember your leaders. And it says this, who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. You see, in the book of Hebrews, during this time, the churches, the Christians are now, have a persecution has begun against them. And both the Roman government and the Jewish people, the Jewish people are upset with the Christians because their children, many of them, have become Christians. The Roman government is beginning to persecute them because of a bunch of lies had been told. But in all of it, we see from the early beginnings of the book of Acts, around Acts 7, that the leaders are the greatest targets of the persecution. And the leaders are the ones that are getting hit the hardest, and yet they're the ones that are called to live the most consistently. And so this church that's thinking about giving up and they're thinking about just going and doing their own thing, he calls them to look at their leaders and he says two things that they, that they do for you. Number one, they speak the word of God to you. And with that, in the book of Hebrews, that is directly tied to these people's eternal salvation and God's ability to help them live well in their current situation. And what I want you guys to know is that he's saying, man, sit back and think about your leaders. They spoke the word of God to you and they spoke the word of God for you. They're not doing this because it's easier on them. Because they are the leaders, they are the ones that are the most persecuted. They're the ones that are most targeted. They're ones that are already giving up the most and yet they speak the word of God to you so that your life can be better. And then think about that for a second. And as you think about the word that's spoken, is begin to think about the way that they live. He's saying, guys, remember these guys that spoke the word of God to you. Remember their way of life. And he's saying, listen, if you'll think about the way they lived, if you'll understand they were speaking the word of God to you in order to bless you, and if you'll just look at their life, it'll make you want to imitate their faith. And what I want you to think about is for some, some of you girls and guys, at the crossings at least, and I don't know how many people we have from other than I, if there's anybody from Tulsa or anyplace else that's in here, but at the crossings, by and large, our kids don't come from solid families. They come from backgrounds that are often abusive and negligent. Most of them come from a divorce. Most of you, they, what I'm, most of you come from a background to where your parents are divorced. Most of you come from a background to where families are not a unit together, but there's a lot of difficulties. A lot of bad things are happening. And yet in all of that, God says to these people that, listen, God inserted these leaders in your life to show you what your life can be. So he says, remember how Ashley and Evan and, and your other leaders, whoever that might be, Moses and Ashley and, and Sarah and, and whoever it might be, remember they spoke the, God, the word of God for you. They don't get any bonus for that. They don't get anything that's personal. If, this, if they were selfish, they would shut up and begin to go look for something. All they get sometimes for speaking the word of God to you is your anger and your frustration and your attitude. And they're looking out for you, and that's noble, but the problem is you're only looking out for you. 
And selfish people like I was when I was your age, selfish people never respect their leaders because they don't care about anybody but themselves. And so he says, remember your leaders. They spoke the word, but then look at their way of life. And because you see, some of you are going to encounter hard times. Some of you have been through that. With the leaders, he's telling these people, they are going through the same thing that you're going through, but men, remember how their life worked out. And begin to think about that. Begin to think about Evan and Jenna and the backgrounds where she comes from and the background where Evan comes from and all the, all the struggles that are there from the, from the issues with Jenna's past and her kind of whacked out family that she grew up in and Evan with his genetic problems that create fear and anxiety. You see, you guys may not know this or some of you may not, but Evan has a gene that predisposes him for cancer. His brother went, I believe, at 24, is that right, Evan? 21, to have a colonoscopy because they were checking because his dad had developed colon cancer. When you're 50 years or old, you're supposed to have a colonoscopy, okay? That's where they stick a camera up your hind end and go in and make sure that everything's okay in there. And it's just one of those things that when you're 50 years old, it's, one of the, it's not one of the things you look at. All right, I'm 50. I get to have a cold. It's like, good night. What's this about? Evan's brother went, they don't recommend it until you're 50, but because of his dad, they just wanted to check and see if he was there. At 21, he went for his colonoscopy and already had stage 3 cancer because of a genetic flaw, a genetic anomaly. Evan lives with that same gene. It can be a source of great anxiety. I know people who have a predisposition. There have been ladies that I've known and read about who found out they were predisposed to breast cancer and in their 20s had both of their breasts removed because they couldn't live with the thought that they were going to die like their mom and their grandma and it could be early. It's anxiety. You see, what I'm telling you, these guys experience all the hardship that you've been through. Jenna's been through all the rebellion that any one of you girls have been through. Maybe all of you girls combined. Right? I mean, really. But if you look at their marriage and their family, and by the way, she's pregnant again. Right? Going to have a, another baby, a boy or a girl. We don't know. Maybe both. Now, Evan's not the only one that's anxious, all right? Evan also has a genetic problem that you have a one child the first time and you know, four the next time, by the way, Jenna. He's never told you about that. So. But if you look at their way of life, if you look at their marriage, you go, man, I hope that I can have a marriage to where my husband loves me the way Evan loves Jenna. And I hope that I can have a wife who loves her husband the way that Jenna loves her husband. I wish we could have this family that thinks of others. And you can just go down, if you look and see from Ashley and RJ to Sarah and Tim. And you can just go that even no absence of hardship because it used to be Sarah and Mallory, didn't it? Sorry. It used to be Tim and Mallory. That would have been a real problem. By the way, Tim is looking for another wife right now, okay? He just found out. (laughs) 
But Tim and Sarah, when you look at their way of life, is everything perfect? But you know, in spite of a difficulty that's going on, they have a good marriage. And Cole gets to grow up with a, quote, stepmom that's anything but evil. But it's not a good marriage because everything was easy because not long ago, if you were just to rewind and we're at this, this rally, it would have been Tim and Mallory. You know, a lot of people don't survive the death of a spouse, and it's never easy. But because of their faith, you can look at the outcome of what goes on in that family and go, man, remembering causes you to respect and what I'm telling you is a lot of you, are, you know, you're going, man, I just don't respect it. And you need to look at the page where it said all the stuff that you've, all the stuff that you've, the bottom line is you really understand. I know that you love, you love them and some of them you do things as much as you can in your situation, but they do for you a thousand times more than you'll do for them. And if you don't believe that now, you'll believe it later on when you have kids. And they do it because they love God and they love you and they want to have a better way of life. So they speak the word of God to you. They model the word of God in their life to where you can go, man, I want a marriage like that. I want a family like that. One of Ashley's friends in high school, Anna became a Christian. Her mom was the hot mom of, the, of, of her crowd. Uh, she really was. Carrie, my son, you know, guys know Carrie. He helped coach Ashley's volleyball team for a year. He didn't do it because he loved his sister. It was because he got to be around Anna's mom. He's like, ooh, this is pretty cool. But we were sitting around one time and, and, and she, she had, her, Anna became a Christian and later Anna's mom became a Christian. And she said one time, she said, you know what it was? It really made me decide that I was gonna be a follower of Jesus. And I instantly said, the wonderful sermons that you hear on Sunday morning, I'm sure. And she said, no, it wasn't the sermons, and I knew it was. She goes, you know what it was? It was when I looked at your family. I've never saw a family. She said, I asked your son one time on a Friday night when he was at Ashley's basketball game, isn't there something a good-looking kid like you? And she goes, he's a good-looking kid. Isn't there something that you could have to do, you'd rather do on Friday night than be at your little sister's game? And his response was, was this, Robert. There's no place I'd rather be. She goes, I've never seen anything like that. And we have had more people say, because of your family, I want to follow Christ. And here's the thing. It's not because we're good. My wife is whacked out. You know what I mean? She's just, <laughs> and so am I. And if you ever see Ashley in one of her bad moments, oh, 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 oh. The reason we have the way of life that we have is because of who we follow. We follow the way, the truth, and the life, and that's Jesus. So here's the thing. God says, here's how do you respect your leaders? Remember what they do for you. Remember what that's done for their life, and it will cause you to imitate them. Someone said this, imitation is the most, most sincere form of what? Trivia question. Flattery. Flattery. Good answer. Imitation is the most sincere form of respect. Now, here's the thing. So if you'll look at your leaders and all that they give up for you, all that they sacrifice for you, you will either go into a rut and become more selfish and more defensive, or you'll become respectful. Now, he's going to go down to the end of the chapter in Hebrews chapter 13. 
And it's really two easy verses to remember because it's verse 7 and verse 17 that deals with what you're supposed to do for your leaders. First of all, he goes, here's, the re here's how you will grow to respect them. Think about them. Think about what they've done for you. Think about the way they've modeled for you. Think about the way that their life is turned out and think about the fact that that is because of their faith in God. And that will cause you to respect them. And then in verse 17, he says this. Here's what respect looks like. Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. He says, listen, just do what they say. And those are words that sometimes we live in a very independent time and teenagers are naturally independent. I have always had a problem with authority. From the time I have been literally in first and second grade, I have been sent to the principal's office. I have been sent out of the class at Sunday school in all four years of high school for at least three days. Every semester, usually more than three days, I was in the behavioral disorders special school little building that they have, the crisis classroom for kids in crisis, which men, they don't want to listen. So you're very rebellious by nature. You're wanting to try things and you think, you know, how do you, how do you, how do you, you change that? You remember what your leaders have done for you. You remember how their life has changed, has turned out. You understand, man, I'd like to have a marriage like that. I'd like to have a relationship like that. And because of that, rather than doing what you want to do, just to summarize, you just kind of shut up and do what you're asked. Because they told me? Yes, because they told you. But if you go back up to verse 7, because of who it is that told you. They're not strangers who do nothing for you. They're not people who are just commanding because they get all this stuff from you. Those guys who give up time all the time for you on Wednesday nights, on Thursday nights, they go to your games. They're not your mamas or daddies. And they're there more than most moms and dads are. They're teaching you and you're getting angry and they refuse to be pushed away, not because you're genetically theirs, but because you have their heart. They serve you and they love you. And the thing that you can do and the thing that will allow them to do their job better and will bless you is simply to decide, I'm going to stop fighting them and I'm going to start following them. I'm going to follow what they say, and I'm going to follow in their way of life. So he says, listen, man, make sure that you make a decision today. You start off, remember your leaders. Secondly, obey your leaders. And then he says, understand the third thing you can do that will help you respect and what it looks like is to understand what's at stake for your leaders. Notice what it says. Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men and women who must give an account to God. Do you realize that someday they are going to stand before God and God is going to say, how did you do with your small group and those guys in it? How did you do? It's speaking the word of God. Did you make sure the Bible was studied with them? Did you make sure that you set an example? Did you make sure that you love them? And if the answer to those things are no, God is going to hold them accountable. And from some of the other passages in Scripture, there is a clear principle that rather than being rewarded, they're going to be punished if they have been uncaring and negligent with you. God says, they're responsible for you. 
And if it's not enough already, they know that. Yesterday or uh, last night, whenever uh, Brian was speaking, last night, how many of you, all you, were all you guys in the keynote last night when Brian was speaking, Brian Owens? Awesome job, wasn't it, honestly? I mean, I, but there was a time when he was talking about, we, can, we can't be the generation that makes our kids. And I'm sitting there and I'm beginning to think about Kennedy and Jackson and Malachi and Hattie and, and, and Gabe and Lincoln. And I've just got tears coming down my face going, God, I want them to be in eternity. I'm not at that moment not concerned whether God is going to say, oh, they're not in heaven, it's your fault. I don't even care about fault because what I care about is them. Now, they will be held accountable to God, but I want you to know they love you. And that's a lot bigger motive for them than the wrath of God is their love for God and their love for you. So he says, listen, obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account to God. Now he says, obey them so that their work will be a joy and not a burden. Here's the thing. Are you someone who brings pleasure to their heart or a pain to their hind end in the way that you function? You see, so often these people, they're going through some tough times in the book of Hebrews, and so all they can do is think about themselves. All they can do is just think about what they need and what they want, and they forget. Guys, it is obvious that the leaders are called to serve you, but you guys aren't called to be selfish, immature, spoiled, spiritual brats. You have a role in giving back. You have a responsibility in giving back. And quite frankly, sometimes the leaders are so burdened down because you guys are riding on a wagon that they have been pulling and you never help push it. All you are is a burden, not because you cannot be someone who relieves a burden, but you're enjoying the ride and the benefits and what you'll miss and you don't even understand is that when you get involved in pushing the wagon and helping others, it'll be a greater joy for you than just riding. But he says, listen, obey them. And if there's no, if you don't feel this noble call for God even, obey them and make their work easy for them. How much easier it would be if whenever the leaders say, hey, listen, you know, we got this chat that's going on. Guys, let me talk to you guys because you guys are bad about this. I have been told. We're chatting and we're, on, we're posting about our daily Bible readings and we're posting about what's going on and they have to constantly, like somehow, you're four years old, say, hey, are you going to post? Little question mark. Where are you? Where's your name? What good does that do you or anybody else? What does all the ignoring of the people who are giving their lives for you do to help you or to help them? What would it be like if when you came to cross chat, rather than coming in and just thinking about you and how bad your wrestling match or your basketball game or your cheerleading session or your time at the buffet went, that you're mad that if you came in and just thought about the leaders and go, man, is there anything I could do to help? What if the guys didn't have to threaten you to make you clean up, but every week you were going, I'm going to clean this house. It's going to look better than we come because these guys spoke the word of God to me. They serve me constantly. They've got a way of life that says that they love me. And it's finally time for me to start growing up. Because he says, listen, when you don't obey, he says it makes their work a burden and not a joy. And then he says this, and even that, and that would be no advantage to you. What if you exhaust them and you have no leaders? 
What if you exhaust them and they give up because they feel like they're absolute failures because they've worked their tails off, they've taught, and all they get from you is backstabbing and dishonesty and complaining and hypocrisy. It doesn't benefit you and it doesn't benefit them. Now, I want to challenge you guys, men and women, to be grateful for your leaders, to remember what they did, to look at the way they live and go, man, do I want a marriage like Ashley and R. Jason? And you guys, youth leaders, if you have sucky marriages, you need to straighten it out. If you have a life to where there's constant friction and you're not imitable and admirable, you need to repent. But I don't think that's the case. And what I know is I look at just these rows and I go down. You see, the difference in you and me is I'm the same guy that you saw for years right? You kind of expect me to be here. You guys are different. You guys are new in a sense because years ago it was Ashley and Jenna and RJ that was setting where you are. And their way of life has blessed themselves and they'll bless you. And that's what you guys are destined for. You're going to be here someday. You're going to be leading on church plants. Some of you are going to become the incredible youth leaders and even better than them than you have because they didn't have somebody like themselves in their life and like, like, they, like, like you have. And you're going to learn from them and you're going to take your natural strengths and gifts and because you have been taught by good leaders, you're going to become better and we're going to have some youth groups that are not 30 or 40. We're going to have some of you leading youth groups that are going to be two and 300 kids. And they're going to be kids that are going to be rescued from abuse and divorce, and suicide, and drug addiction. And that will happen as God works in your life through the leaders that he's placed in your life. So I want to beg you to go, I need to start respecting my leaders. What does that look like? I am grateful for what they've done. I am desirous of having what they have. And I am going to do what they say. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Father, I want to thank you for the awesome youth leaders that we have at the crossings. And Father, we really do. I have people that know and us, and they'll go, man, your, your volunteer youth leaders work, work harder than our paid staff work youth leaders, and that's true. And I want to thank you for them. I want to ask that you lift them up and have them continue to work on their relationship with you and their way of life and their knowledge of your word so that they can be the best youth leaders possible, better than even now and better tomorrow than they are today. Father, I also want to thank you for our youth group. Father, if I were in this youth group when I was a kid, I would have been the one who was always in trouble. And so, Father, I don't say hard things or challenging things because I'm down on anybody. I just know, Father, that if somebody had not challenged me if I had not known that there was a different way of living whenever I ran into problems, I might have decided not to live at all. So, Father, I want to thank you for the teenage, the guys and the girls that are here, but I want to beg that you will help them to take a step up. They are not, most of them here today, very few of them are junior hires, and they're definitely not toddlers. They're young adults some of them will graduate from high school, and, Father, they'll take that next step of maturity, but, Father, the graduation is not the thing that matures them, it is a mark of where they should be. We need our high school students to start deciding that wherever they are, they're going to raise up. They're going to lead the peers, and that's not just meaning, Father, sometimes it is so 
God, it is so vital that we share our faith and invite people to church, but what good is it if our friends come to church and they don't see us respecting our leaders, obeying them, and growing to be like them and like you? So, Father, it's my prayer that this weekend will be a time of great transformation. We'll talk about this, we'll pray about this, and we'll go home, and during 2019, we're going to have the best, the funnest year we've ever had, but we're going to also have the year that forms us to be more like your son in a way that we never have before. God, I look forward to retreats. God, I look forward to camp this summer. I look forward to seeing new people come in. And God, I don't get to know everybody the way I did at one time. But Father, I'm so grateful that you have placed us in a place like this with people like this so that we can become the people that you want us to be. Thank you for your son who came to earth to model for us. Help us to be fully committed to him, Father, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.